Cinecast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. How is everybody today? I hope Rosie. It's a sunny day in the neighborhood here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we hope that you have a... a Says sh- the guy with a Mr. Robinson jacket on. Exactly. We hope you have a shimmery, <laughs> fantabulous day today. <laughs> so, so, so you can tell it's it, this is not our normal Metacast. It's early in the morning, Metacasters. Probably too early for me, actually, to deal with human beings. But, but I don't qualify as a human being, so that's okay. Yeah, but the Metacasters do. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but they're remote. So they'll but be they're right. remote, so they'll, you know, hopefully I don't do any harm, and hopefully Josh doesn't beat the crap out of me. So, I Josh, I, uh, I hope so. He's bigger than me. I hope you Metacasters have gotten that. He's. He's well. It depends on how you measure size, but I'm 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 sort of. <laughs> Josh is taller than I am, uh, but I may I may be. Uh, well, let's leave that alone. What are we going to talk about today, Josh? Today uh, we're going to discuss something that I've been mentally arguing with myself about for quite a while: open allocation. What's open allocation? What is open? It is the opposite of closed allocation. Oh, cool! Oh, that clarifies that, it for me a lot. I'm, I, so I'm for closed allocation, Josh. Are you? Okay, yes. good. Metacast over. <laughs> what, what is it? <laughs> um, so it's this new management theory slash approach slash whatever that I've been reading about based on some of the companies that I enjoy how they operate. So companies like Valve, companies like GitHub, things like that, where what they do is they set the vision for the employees, the employees decide what they work on. So completely opposite, closed closed allocation is there's a small group at the top that allocates work based on what they think is the right thing. Oh, to now, do. I'm, now I'm sort of catching up. And with they you. delegate to people. This is what you will work on. So we decide on the work. Small group decides on the work and trickles it down. Right. Okay. Whereas the opposite is. There's a small group of folks that focus on setting the vision and direction for the companies and then leave the rest of the folks in the company to make it happen. Okay, so they just walk out. So the, so it'll be like I, I have a uh, cork board and I put up all these 3 by 5 cards and say this is what my vision is and then I go on vacation for a year and I come back and their life is good. No. That would probably sort of be like that. Part. That wasn't a bad analogy. Come on, you're smiling. But that wasn't too bad. It was like here's my vision, here's the cards. Yeah. Right? Figure it out. Right. Am I I, in the ballpark? You're in the parking lot, I think. Uh, So that's the the fear. And this is one thing that this is something that I am dying to do. But quite honestly, the history that I have um, in management and software has me just completely freaked out about doing it and actually trusting employees like you should. Because what it really gets down to, my belief, is with the closed... With the historical model, it really gets down to management really doesn't trust the employees to do what's best. So they feel like they have to tell them, this is what you should be doing. Now, there are people that say there are folks that should focus on what you should be doing and folks that should focus on executing that vision, which is still kind of happening, but not to the extent that it's done now where everything is very well defined you you take the thought process out of your team. I mean, I don't know if it's so stark. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, just even 
just based on my age, you know where I'm going to fall. I mean, you can predict that. Right. You're, he's smiling, Metacasters, because this is almost like a bear trap. Josh has set me up with this sort of open, <laughs> closed allocation bear trap, and I'm dipping my toe in there, and I, I know I'm going to get swa- I'm going to get swallowed up soon. But I don't think it's you know. So I trust you, or I don't trust you. I think there's probably a hundred shades of gray of trust. Right. You know, there's earning. There's the domains that are different. So if you looked at this as a trivial yes/no answer, I think that's the wrong. It lacks that subtlety. Maybe Valve looks at it that way, or GitHub. I mean, GitHub has is that's a unique environment, right? That's a technology environment. There are developers on that. It's almost the workers or the customers to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. And so they can figure things out. They can lead. It's like Thirty Seven Signals is another one of those companies. It's very small. And it's their presumptuous and say, well, you know, we know what you want and we'll give it to you. Right. And they don't really ask. And then people, actually, they do a nice job of that. But would you agree? I don't think it's, if to look at it in a binary fashion, no, yeah, it's the wrong model. There's no answer in the universe that is truly yes or no. Right? Yeah. There are all definitely shades of gray. But the one thing that I look at is that the, the, the effort spent trying to connect the vision um, with your team never ends, right? Even where I'm at now, um, we spend all the time going over backlogs and this is our roadmap and this is the direction. Every little change we go over, we have a meeting about the backlog and what's changed with the team and review that. At the end of every sprint demo, I go over, this is our roadmap, this is where we're going. Spend a lot of time with that. And even then, there are times where there are head scratchers within the team, like, okay, why are we doing this? And and shouldn't shouldn't we lean on the folks on the ground to help set the direction more than we historically do? So so, I mean, I get. But what about the people? What part do the people play? So I'm I'm not challenging you. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking at the bottom, and I'm saying, you know, is everyone? So let's look at the team. I mean, are all teams inherently good? Are all teams inherently trustworthy? Are all teams inherently able to take a backlog and execute it mightily? Well, it's not even taking a backlog, but establishing the backlog. Or establishing it based on vision. Yeah, I I use the, don't get hung up on backlog. I'm saying, are all teams capable of interpreting, effectively interpreting a vision? No. And and I would say no. Right. Right, they're not. Uh, I mean, there's there's these magical companies that you know people used to put Microsoft up on a on a pedestal. Believe it or not, mm. nowadays they don't. But for the, about ten years, maybe in the eighties, Microsoft was this pedestal of we were going to we're going to be like Microsoft. Then Google is every we want to be like Google, but mm. Google's losing some of its a little bit of its luster based on what based on like removing twenty percent time and right. things like that and not trusting right actually becoming more hierarchical right. Uh, and then there's then there's what are, what are these new uh, what did you say Valve and GitHub right. and Spotify and mm-hmm. uh, is another one of the companies in in Europe right. that that has tribes and things like that and I think they're unique cases I, I I worry I don't think I don't think everyone is trustworthy correct I so 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 the question that I'm wrestling with is that if you were to go about building a team and a company with open allocation as your primary intent of this is how we're going to operate. Do you think it could be done? And I do, I do. I think it would be hard, but I think the reward would be well worth that effort in trying to identify the appropriate team members to execute on that vision of 
this is who we want to be, go make it happen. And it's not that simple, right? Oversimplifying it, just the amount of effort to ensure that... I think there are anomalies. I think you can make it work. So if the, if the question is, can you make that model work? I think it's possible. And, and does that model, if you make it work, does it produce phenomenal results in a context, in a time frame? And I think the answer is yes, it can do that. Mm. But, but look at all the variables, like finding the right people, hiring them correctly. Yeah. I mean, you can just have a bad hire. You think someone is A and they're B. Right. right. They're not capable of doing it. Well, then that would, what, inherently break your model to some degree. Not that you can't correct it, right. but it's going to affect your system. Your ecosystem is going to be affected by that. So I think some of these companies are lucky that they what they start out with that as their initial vision. So I think starting out, so one challenge would be, do I start building a company that way or do I retrofit it? I think retrofitting it is much harder yeah. than, than starting that way. Correct. Uh, but even starting that way, uh, and I could see domains where, let's say you're a PhD in chemistry and you're building a new blood analysis machine. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not just, you're not just a, a, a visionary, you're what? You're, you might be the leading idea generator in that team. Right. I want you to, to tell us what to do, to tell me what to do to some degree, right? Yes, hire me as other PhDs. Surround yourself with excellence. But you're what? You may be a leading. So in this context, you may be a leading practitioner. And I'm like, please don't walk away. Please don't shut up. Yeah. Please don't. Please don't not engage with the team and try to build. Even if we were, even if we were cherry picking and starting it up that way, I think context matters. To, you know, like what the business domain is, right. what the who, where the idea comes from, and things like that. I, I, I think it, I, I think it's, I, I don't think you can just sit down for any idea, and it's the right model. Right, and so I, I think it certainly leans itself towards software. But I do think, in that model, having, even if there is one idea person, still having, the team selectively choose what to work on as opposed to a top-down, this is what's been decided, this is what we're going to do. I think there's value in that with the right people. And that's, it all gets down, right, everything always gets down to people. Always, always, always. Um, and, and But there, isn't there counterpoints like Jobs? I mean, I didn't work with Steve Jobs at Apple. Mm -hmm. Uh, but is, aren't there many counterpoints? Like Jobs at Apple is a counterpoint to your argument, right? He had the, Apple hired great people, right? Right. But Steve Jobs did what? He led, and it was, he wasn't just a visionator, right? He he got in, he got involved. He rolled up his sleeves. He elbowed his way in. He said, "That's crap. Go, go back and do it differently." To people who had UX, you know, tremendous UX backgrounds, mm -hmm. they had a UX center in the UK, and I'm sure that he challenged the crap out of those folks as they were. And, and they, he shot down ideas, etc. And he sort of narrowed in on simplicity, even though that was their job. So there are case studies of people who, 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 who not dictators, but who are, who are counterpoints to what we're saying. And they were successful. Right. So the argument that I would have to that is that many, many people have said that since Steve Jobs has died, that Apple has taken a turn for the worse. Yeah, but for 10, and again, the, I'm not... But the counterpoint is, for 10 or 20 years, they kick the ass of the universe, yeah. and they're still sustainable. Now, you're right, but it's like anything in life, right? It, it's a, as this grows, so look what's happening with Google. As the company grows, they're starting to change, and this may happen with Valve right. and Spotify and, and GitHub even, for that matter, right? How do you, so is it scalable? 
is a question that, that these companies, it's, it's, it's not a done deal that they're going to be sustainable over time as they grow. Right. Uh, some of them are, but they maintain, they actually maintain their small size. Like 37 Signals maintains a small size. Mm-hmm. Get, you know, if you're able to do that and still what dominates your space, then maybe do that. So I, I get that. That is, a, that is a con. That's a con. Jack Welsh, when he left GE, finding a replacement for him. Uh, because and he was sort of a dictator, but he was a dictator, and right. he drove success. Uh, finding the right CEO was really hard for them, uh, and I think they found one who then has grown the company in a different direction with different style. But you're you're right. I just I just wonder, you know, are we getting too perky about it? Are there other are there other models? I mean, is it okay for Josh Anderson to roll up his sleeves and say, you know, I know what I'm doing here? Yeah, uh, trust me. Not beyond vision. I'm talking about beyond yeah. vision. I am not suggesting that the vision setters cannot roll up their sleeves and join a team and help ex- help execute at all. If if there's a team that rallies around a project and I were to be able to add value and be perceived as adding value, um, because really what 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 happens is the people pick the projects and then the people recruit members to help execute on that. So. The team begins a sales pitch on, hey, listen, we're trying to do this really freaking right. cool thing. Right. And the skills you have could help us make this happen sooner and help our company succeed with the vision that we're trying to get. So I'm not suggesting that a vision setter, vision leader cannot roll up his sleeves and make a difference I'm just, at I'm execution. Just, but I'm just, it's not joining the team, it's leading. Toyota had this notion, I've never worked with one, but they had this notion of a lead engineer. So in the lean Toyota system, a, 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 uh, a head engineer or it was a lead engineer they were uh, they understood the car market so they were incredibly strong in the market they were incredibly strong with cross-functional skills design skills they were incredibly strong as a you know as a mechanical engineer uh, they've been there and done that a few times so they were like people with 25 you know picking this lead engineer or the chief engineer for a, for a car project was, was this incredible honor. There was only a handful of them. Mm-hmm. And, and they literally were the sounding boards. They, they aligned it. So it was lean teams. It was collaborative teams. Uh, it was empowered teams. Uh, they honored each other. But they had the one. The one person who made all freaking decisions. Like, like you know, really was guiding the ship. All major decisions. Not like, what does what the tire pressure stem look like? But major decisions, tire size, uh, what is the uh, weight capacity targets that we have? You know, is it a sports car, or you know, what is the, what, you know, what is the style of the car? And they were incredibly successful with that. It's it's sort of part of lean. The missing the missing answer in a lot of the lean systems is when you look at what were, what were successful projects. It was this notion of a chief engineer, the mm-hmm. chief, the chief, you know, the person who told basically everyone what to do, but didn't tell them what to do. You know, what? it's not a project manager in the sense of a micro. If they got the balance right, they were not micromanaging, but they were they were tuned in enough to make what. Instead of having the team make make mistakes, huge mistakes, they were guiding uh, the design and the execution of a car. So I think, and that's like a jobs thing. I think I'm I'm aligning that with jobs, right? But I think that in this model, that you still may have members of your overall team that operate in that manner, that acquiesce to a given project, and people rally around that person, and they help deliver. It doesn't say that those roles go away. There, there. There are still people that will lead a project right. and take on some of those difficult choices. 
Um, but it really is around the allocation and the team decides what they're working on. I mean, I'll use Spotify as an example, or, or I, I read an article about GitHub a while back. I mean, let's be clear, it's out, you're, you're soft-pedaling the answer. It's out, open allocation, closed allocation. It really says, do we need management, right? Do we need management? Mm-hmm. And, and the answer is, in the open allocation, we don't need any stinking managers at all. Right, we have what we have uh, a few. If you're an if you're a, a, a traded company, you have a what a CFO, a COO, and a CEO in name, uh, and maybe they're providing a bit of vision. And if you have two hundred other people, they're just people. So the org chart would be very simple. It would be you know we have a few leading people, and then everyone else just figures it out as we go. And the folks are providing the vision. So but what that says is there's no. And I'm not. You know, I'm not working in a company now, so I don't care if we whack all the managers. Right. But it really says, open allocation says we don't need any stinking leadership. Period. End of story, right? You need leadership. Not Still. in the traditional sense. Yeah. In an org chart, the middle tier of the org chart gets whacked away. I'm, I'm looking. Is that your understanding? I believe it will be trimmed out greatly. Yes. Right. Okay, so if, if it's a haircut, I have one hair in the middle of my head, which I almost have now, right? So, so, so yeah, yeah, trimmed out. That's, that's what I'm being clear about, though. Project managers gone. Functional managers largely gone. Mm-hmm. Anyone who tells people what to do, any, anyone, who's, uh, anyone who calculates what people are doing, any administration gone, right? It's, and I'm, I'm not being negative. But that's, that's open allocation. It sounds fuzzy. What it really says is the org chart is what worker bees and a, few, a handful of leaders. Like at Apple, it would be Steve Jobs, maybe a cadre of five people, and then ten thousand other people. Maybe a little bit extreme, but right. but it would be that sort of would be the nature of it. Yeah. And the ten thousand people would then self-organize. Mm-hmm. Would there be leaders emerging from the ten thousand people? Yes. To your point, yes, but not in the traditional sense. Would they have titles and org charts? Would they have a job description that says, I can tell these people what right. to do? And that would not be relevant to that. Correct. Yeah. So it's drastically, it's, it's, it is sort of this, it, it, it doesn't have, it's just very lightweight leadership and then figuring it out. At GitHub, the, the teams, I would imagine, make a decision on, pro, like, what, the value, what, what should they be chasing from a value perspective, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really the big thing. And I, I have this inherent trust in the flock right that I really believe that the group can provide a better solution than a much smaller group you know a selected few that set direction now I have friends that I've talked to this about that will say well you know you put enough people in a room and you ask them to paint the room and everything ends up beige right that you really don't get the innovation because of everybody ends up agreeing with everybody and to agree you all end up in the middle well, that's one. That's one thing you get. You get the strong opinions. So you know you have introverts and extroverts. So personality types come into play. Um, you have people who don't care. Josh, have you ever encountered someone who just wants to be told what to do? Yes. Right. So they should not be a part of that team. Yeah, but do you, the, how do you detect that? How do you know that? There's there's a myriad of people on this planet that just you know we, we look at that oh that's bad they want to be told what to I'm do I'm not saying that's bad they right. should not be a part of that team that doesn't mean they're bad it I, means they should find ooh, a team that ooh, fits them Metacasters I should have a picture right now I got, I got a properly. stern I got a stern look yeah 
it's, it's I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm saying it's hard. You to, said I was saying it's hard bad. to detect that though. If I have a 50, if I have 15 people in a room, it is really incredibly difficult to detect to who who's engaged. What is their engageometer? I don't think that's very hard to, to detect during the hiring process. Really, really. Oh, I would disagree with you. Okay. I could blow smoke. I mean, again, I'm ta- I'm talking about the truth of it. Right. I'm not talking about the facade. I'm talking about when push comes to shove, everyone, you know, everyone is really like bought in. They really look at it as like, this is my company. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have a vested interest. In you. you get that sort of, it's in their soul. I think that's really hard to detect in the recruiting process. You'll get words, you'll get answers, unless you put them on a lie detector machine or something. You know, I think people can game that is what I'm trying to say. Not even without even knowing that they're gaming it, you know. That they think they're that way, but they're really not. I, I've seen so many agile teams, and it bugs me as a leader. I'm like, I want, I want you to what? Do it on your own, right? And you want to be told. It's like, damn it, here it is. Take it. I'll put a bow on it. I'll put it in a box. I'll deliver it to your house. Right. So at that point, if that's really important to the company, the company has to identify the people that are not willing to take that and I, remove them I, I, and replace them. I, I agree. So it's very hard, and it's non-traditional, and it's uncomfortable, and it's all of those things. But I believe that – I shouldn't say I believe. My current thought is that I think that you would produce a better product, whatever it may be, if you were able to assemble the right team to make that happen. And to me, that's a big if. Everything you're saying I would, And a, I would agree with you if, if you brought in context. So if you had not a hundred shades of gray, but if you had like ten shades of gray, because here we have we we either have traditional, what is it? Oh, so open allocation or closed allocation? Right. I I agree that open allocation is better, and but it depends on what we're trying to build. It depends on our market. It depends on the company. So if we could get closer to that, right? Depending and to get as aggressive as we can be in our mm-hmm. context to get as close to true open allocation as we can but not like fall over the precipice and force it, then, then I, I think that's a, and that's what is happening I think in the trend. People, people hold up valve and stuff and it makes guys like you and I think about it. And, and I think it is a nirvana state, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know if it's appropriate for, you know, is it the nirvana state for every company context? No, I think it's like Agile, right? Agile doesn't make sense for everybody. Well, no, I actually think going in the direction makes sense for everyone. Yeah. But, but how much you take on right. varies. No, I actually think every freaking company on the planet should be leaning away from closed allocation, be leaning towards open allocation. It's just how much of that can you can you accomplish? What's the baggage proposition? What's the hiring look like? Like if you're doing offshoring, I mean, there's so many there's so many details right. that come into play yeah. with with really getting to open allocation. But should it be the strategy? Uh, and it sounded like I was you know being contrary to you. I actually think it's the right strategy. Haven't you seen the light bulb? There's those light bulb moments where teams rock. Yeah, you've seen them. Yeah, that's the that's the promise of open, right? Sort of the open allocation is you, even no matter what you in agile you see those light bulb moments where teams rock and you see creativity and innovation. Mm-hmm. It may not happen. It's not sustainable, but you see it. And I think leaning in that direction would sort of say, you know, we're fostering that. We're trying to find that sort of that, you know, whatever it is that that ring. You okay with this, this discussion? Did it yeah, go where it, you wanted it to go? Yeah, because it's, it's, it is gray, right? Yeah. There is no on-off switch. It's scary. You yeah. alluded to it very early on. Yeah. 
and you, we sort of went, I, I overwhelmed you. I mean, I st- talked too much, but I think we should come back to how scary, it is freaking scary. Yeah. Even for even for great leaders, it's like, holy crap. Yeah, like, I, I, I want to do it, but I know the moment when I do it, I will be freaked out, mm-hmm. right? Because you truly, truly relinquish control. And right. to make it work, you have to, you can't fake it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. It's an all or nothing thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It is the truest sense of trust. And I think that's going to be the important piece is having that team assembled that you're comfortable with that trust. I am hopeful that I can get to a point where I have a team that I have assembled in one way, shape, or form that I trust to that capacity. Well, that it's it's, like, and okay. it's, it goes back to true, there's the true capacity of the team. But there's also the true capacity to trust. I was with a potential client yesterday, and I was talking to the leadership team, and they're going, they're, they're, you know, thinking about engaging me as a coach, and they're going agile, and the word the trust came up, and, and it's like everyone's like, well, yeah, of course we trust. You, you've heard this a hundred yeah. times yourself. Of course we trust our teams. But then I said, but then you can't ask the twenty questions, the drill down questions to find out, which implies that you don't really trust your team. Right. You're you're probing, and this one young lady was like, what? I can't ask my 20 questions. She's like, that's going to drive. I mean, she's like, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, that's the rub, right? Yeah. It's like, you can't, you know, she's like, well, then I would really have to trust them. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're right. When every ounce of your being is screaming and saying, holy crap, what's going on here? I, I think that rub, anyone who's gone agile, and this is almost agile on steroids, right? Open allocation mm-hmm. is like sort of the agile on steroids view. Is it's just it's really going to challenge you from a, from a true trust perspective, right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest hurdle. That, and it's interesting how everybody always points back to the seven dysfunctions of the team or whatever. And the first one's always five. trust. It's five. Five. It's five. Five. Okay. Yeah. So I added two. <laughs> no, well, there's probably a billion dysfunctions. Number the six <laughs> is you have Bob on your team. Oh, oh, oh! We want to play hardball. Eh? Number seven is you don't have Josh on your team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it is trust is a baseline, and it's not. It's not again. It goes into the shades of gray. It's not. You, you can improve it. You can be working with a team for ten years. Years ago, I worked at a company called Micronosis, and I'd worked with a team for ten years. And as a leader, that that has certain negative ramifications, but the positive ramifications is we were comfortable with each other. We knew each other. We and even then, I didn't have a hundred percent trust right. in my team. Right, and it wasn't. I wasn't distrustful. But 100% trust is like you you clearly, it's almost biblical in nature, right? You, yeah. you give it, you, you give it up and it's, and it's out there. And no matter what happens, and that's the insidious part, if you start to take it back, then you what, change the model. Right. right? So you, you have to be resilient in giving it. Cool. Yes. Interesting discussion. Yeah. I like it. I, I hope the trend is, I hope this stuff is disrupting traditional management where we're moving towards more open allocation, but mm-hmm. if I look at just if I use my the, the people in the room yesterday, if you could have read their eyes when we were talking about, so they went from comfortable, yes, agile, we're all in, on board, this is the best thing since sliced bread, to holy crap, we really, you mean we have to do that? Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah, and and then you could see them so sort of their fervor about agile started paling. So that yeah, so that's an interesting thing right especially with our next metacast that we're going to record right after this um will be about has agile jumped the shark what is what is that 
What is that? Oh, let's save that for the yeah. next Metacast. So if you want to find out if Agile's Jump the Shark, listen to the next podcast. I don't even know what the hell Jump the Shark means. Okay. I mean, for my, is that like a shark mania or something? No, that, that you'll video? find out. Don't worry. Like flying sharks? Or, we'll, uh, we'll educate uh, you. Have to, you have to educate me. Yeah. Well, you know, Josh, I feel so old. I mean, expressions. I'm losing. No, it's, it's not fair. It you, is unfair. When you understand what it is, you'll be very mad at yourself because your age should actually benefit you. Oh, my God. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah. Right? <laughs> my wife tells me that sometimes. She's trying to make it. Exactly. exactly. She's like, yeah. yeah. I don't know if there's true trust there. Or right? <laughs> truth. True, true. Right? I think there's a facade there. So, Metacasters, I hope you enjoyed this. Josh and I are we're going to transition from this Metacast to to another one right afterwards. Uh, why don't we? Do you want to just do a quick close and then go into the next Metacast? Sure, let's do that. Bob. All right. So, from beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, well, early downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, as the sun is just creeping over the horizon, and as the chickens, the you know, the cock is crowing in the distance. I'm Bob Galen. <laughs> And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. <laughs> and bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>